There's a teaching from the Buddha that's very helpful to remember to context our practice within. Maka hatikilesa wa patu patitamatang, which means this path, maga, hata means to break up kilesa, that which obstructs. And that the fruit of that path, activity, arises according to the law of the Dhamma. And why this is very helpful to remember when we begin a session of practice, when we begin a new day, when we undertake the training of the Dharma, is that so often that we we come from the sense of a me doing this, a me succeeding, a me failing, a me struggling, a me having some special experiences, a me having terrible experiences, which becomes the barometer for generating this uh, sense of of self. Um, And then our orientation tends to focalize around how we feel we're doing or how we feel, feel it's going, which of course, as we have experienced on a retreat like this, is very changeable. So what's helpful to, to, to align with in this teaching is that it's the actual activity of the path that we're doing. And it is that that begins to break up that which obstructs and which begins to awaken and it begins to allow us to move into a deeper place of our being from where we can deepen into awareness, reflect on our experience. And the fruits of that, the sense of uh, insight, understanding, more freedom, more space, more rootedness and groundedness in moments of kindness, compassion, freedom, wisdom. That this is, uh, in in many ways, uh, an organic unfolding. It unfolds in the same way that a fruit grows on a tree, that it has its own timing in terms of the ripening of that fruit and when that fruit falls. And so that that then takes quite a lot of the angst and stress out of the practice. We think of it from the terms in terms of it being the big enlightenment project. It can be get very overwhelming <laughs> with this little me in the middle of that trying to pull that off. I have a brother, one of my brothers would call me up from time to time and he'd say, Hello Tanisara, how's, how's the Enlightenment project going? <laughs> I say, well, I don't think, I'm not sure I'm there that yet. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> but it sometimes it can really feel like this huge thing. And it can really oppress us. Um, so to, to what is needed here is moments of path activity. And that's what we're doing. We're cultivating and imply, applying that which can only happen in each moment. You know, we're either applying that here or we're thinking about it. Um, or planning for when we're going to do it in the perfect circumstance. 
So we pick up the practice and we put our faith in applying those moments of path activity. And then we let the fruits of that take care of itself. In some ways we don't have to worry about that so much. So this teaching that the Buddha gave for the the purification of beings, this is part of the path activity that we do, the fruit of that for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment and the alignment with the true way, and for the realization of Nibbāna, of deep peace, These are the fruits that appear and come into fruition grounded on the causes that have been put in place to bring that fruition about. So in the training that we're doing here, mindfully being here, mindfully grounding ourselves through the lens of mindfulness, through the activity of mindfulness and presence in relationship to our direct experience is actually a very simple thing. We're either mindful (laughs) or we're not quite. And if we're not quite, then often we know we're not quite because there'll be, rather than a generation of the fruits of the path, which don't necessarily, you know, we we often think that they're going to happen in some fine day along. We can already taste some of those fruits here and now, but instead of the generation of that, what's generated is the experience of dukkha, the experience of anxiety, of being a bit lost, of struggling. So in some ways it, it becomes quite simple, do we practice a little bit of mindfulness even though there's some difficulty that we're with and lessen the experience of dukkha or do we do we not that's why mindfulness essentially means to remember to do it (laughs) to remember to remember to keep coming back and grounding ourselves in that path activity It's not that we can't do it, it's just that we get lost. And we all do, and we get lost for periods of time, and then we remember. And we can remember by really simply just taking a deep breath, feeling the seat that we're sitting in. So we're mindful to what we're with, the the spheres of our contemplation, this body, experience, which we're with all the time of our conscious, wakeful life, mindful of the feelings within the body, sensation, mindful of the different states of mind that we experience, mindful of the phenomena that impinges, that arises internally and externally. These are just categories and ways of talking about what is here, always in some way or another, with some effect or another. So to ground ourselves in the training of that, the Buddha recommended, is to put ourselves in a situation like we have, if we can. 
you have the great blessing to be able to be in this contained, quiet, held situation. So already we're encouraged into that space. It's a great privilege, actually. It's not so many beings don't have this kind of a privilege. The meals on, on time and good companionship, safety. So supporting our mindfulness is an appreciative mind state. Because so often we can move to that slight grumble. What's not quite right. Uh, and so to consciously appreciate there's an aspect of mindfulness to have an appreciation for what we are with. And even if there's difficulty, there's always something. We say, well, there's a lot of bodily pain, but my toes are okay. (laughs) My ears are functioning okay. (laughs) I can move my fingers. So it's relative, you know, but relatively we're in good shape. And there's a lot to appreciate. So this already helps the mind soften and be less defended and less constricted. We're with good company. We can take another breath. And so this, the training is to help the mind to put down these tendencies to, as is said in the training, to have a sense of longing and hankering for what's not here. And there may be very real things that we need to go towards that's out there, so to speak. Loved ones, situations, duties. But we're here right now. So when we long for that, and and not mindful of that, then there's that dukkha. So to put down, for moments, that's the training, to put down the longing and the hankering, the grief and the disappointment for the world, as the Buddha said. There's so much, isn't there, to have so much grief about. Every day. And there's so much to be disappointed and upset around so deeply so and that's important to feel that it's very real to feel that we're not cutting off our feeling and just trying to live in some box where we're not impacted by anything but it doesn't really always help to get completely washed away with the angst and the grief and the pain for what what the world is doing I mean, it's very extreme at the moment, but the world has always had angst in it. Always had profound struggle. Um, So just for the time, the training is just to, to put that down for one side, if we can. To put down the, the covetousness, the things we want, the longing, the grief, and the disappointment also personally, things that didn't come about that we would have liked or those sorts of feelings that can come up. Just to let them 
be put on put to one side for now and then establishing rather than moving in those currents of the mind and making a lot of those currents that come up that dislocate us establishing that mindful heart the heart is already mindful we're just attuning and aligning with it and it has the qualities already when the heart is honored in that way when we turn in that respectful way to listen in and be with the knowingness of the core of our being of our heart is already arising that sense of interest the Buddha called the atapi which means a sort of ardor or interest or curiosity or freshness we can approach then how is it now so this mindfulness accompanied by appreciation by putting down by this letting go letting things be at least for a moment of practice as a, as an actual practice it's like developing a muscle where we're not just holding on to everything all the time so sometimes called mindfulness accompanied by nikamma, this abandoning or renouncing or simplification or freeing from craving. It's relinquishment. It means moving on from uh, or going forth from. It's when you enter a monastic training, there's, it's called the going forth. You've gone forth from something to something else, leaving those boulders of the mind, the things that we're holding on to. It's an act of trust, isn't it? It's an act of faith. It's an act of total simplicity. It's an act of surrender into the flow of the practice. The root of that word means actually to to complete, to finish, to learn how to Nothing's ever completed, of course. Nothing is ever going to get finished. There is this feeling, if only, you know, just finish things up tidily and then maybe have a nice peaceful death one day on laying on my bed with loved ones all around me. <laughs> we have no idea how that's going to happen. But this, this, this feeling of have to finish things off, but understanding nothing gets really finished but we can finish things here by just releasing from them, letting them go their own way, letting people go their own way, letting things, beings, situations go their own way. That doesn't mean to say that when we're engaged in right action that we're not going to respond and guide and challenge out there in the dismembering world that we're in. But inwardly, as a practice, it's more effective to be to have that freedom. This is really mindfulness is about freeing the heart from the things that that hold us, keep us stuck, keep us unfree. So, so using this space, we can use a retreat space like this to see what isn't completed, what is still being held, and to consciously 
put that down. As Ajahn Chah said, regardless of time and place, Dharma practice comes to completion at the place of laying down the burden. This is the completion, laying down the burden. So as you know the story, when he was walking once with his disciples and he pointed to the boulders and said, are they heavy? And the disciples said, yes, Lumpur, they're very, very heavy. And he said, well, they're not if you don't pick them up. So we, when we sit for a while, we, we start to feel the boulders of the heart, the boulders in the body, the boulders in the mind that we, that we hold. So what, it, what would it be to, to put them down? So that's a way, another way into that simplicity of the mindful heart that's just present, just simply present to how it is, unfettered, unconstructed, without an agenda, without a sense of having to push or pull at anything in this moment. What what can we what boulders are in our pockets that we can take out and just respectfully thank them for being there? <laughs> so put them on a shrine. <laughs> you know the things that uh, you know. The, it's a hard thing for humans. We have a we carry a lot of resentments. I I feel a lot of I can feel places. I'm half Irish. We don't let go very easily. We have we have long memories. <laughs> this is, I'm also half British, so they say the British never remember and the Irish never forget. It's actually very true. <laughs> so there's always half of me dialoguing with the other half. But, uh, you know, there's certainly things that are not appropriate anymore to, to, you know, to sort of chew on in that way of what, they did. <laughs> and so, and it's not to say one doesn't honor the historic um, oppressions that needs to be honored in a certain way and held in a certain way, but personally, inwardly, this practice of not giving rise, even the Buddha trained us. As in a gathered heart, heart in samadhi, we have to learn to withstand. The, smart, the heart in, that's gathered in samadhi is focused. It's not just a heart that's able to do that because it's cutting away contact. It's in contact with the, with the world, but able to withstand unpleasant feeling including ill-spoken words, without giving rise to hatred, without giving rise to aversion. You might feel that, that would be natural, but not dwelling there. So that's the practice, that's the practice that there's the impingement on the heart, on the mindful heart, of what's not pleasant, whether that arises internally or externally, There's the experience of hunger, of cold, perhaps of ill health, of bodily pain, mental pain. 
to be without without giving rise to dukkha is our training. But it's not saying to not, you know, to dismiss what's arisen or to judge what's arisen or to condemn what's arisen or to trivialize dukkha. There's some sufferings that are very profound and important journeys that we undergo. But it's that fine balance of not adding more, if unnecessary to do so. (laughs) And mostly it's not nearly that necessary to do so. But this is a training. The untrained heart will just move towards generating more complexity, more suffering, more pain. So as said in the Anguttara Nikaya, one who turns to relinquishment, to dispassion, is freed from thirsting after experience and is filled with all-embracing loving-kindness. So this is also part of this training of putting down. It's also to do with the part of us that thirsts for more, which is also a very powerful way that we are compelled and driven in our human experience. We don't feel that we have enough which is one of the things that Ajahn Chah pointed to all the time. One of the very times, first times I met him, it was one of the first things he said to me in Thai, which was Burmai, which means, have you had enough yet? And I knew what he meant, actually, even though I was actually quite young um, and just beginning to have my life. <laughs> I actually really felt, in that moment, wasn't an eternal um, place that I stayed at, but in that moment I actually felt yes, yeah, no. I, it's uh, it's it's definitely I was definitely in touch with the uh, the burning nature of that thirsting. I felt that weariness, that sense of it's called nipida, or that sense of you know in in our society often when that arises that sense of nibida or dispassion or weariness with experience it's considered there's something wrong with you it's like you know go shopping or in England they go cheer up love (laughs) I used to say when I was growing up I must have looked totally miserable the whole time people were always going to me cheer up love (laughs) cheer up ducks (laughs) which used to really make me not cheer up. <laughs> but that sense of the um, dispassion around the thirsting for experience. Um, so we have the space to explore that in little things in a retreat. You, know, you can get very excited about the meal, and then I just think, well, it's just another meal, really. <laughs> How many more meals are you going to get excited about? You've had millions of them. <laughs> but, you know, when the mashed potatoes come along, I get very excited. It's like, you know, like today is like two big dollops. And then I thought, you know, you actually can't eat all of that. You know, so, you know, there's always a room for practice. It's like, okay, you know. Loss of mindfulness in that moment. So this satipatthana, this 
this standing with, attending to, being present to what is arising and catching, as Ajahn Chah would say, in the net of our mindfulness, what has arisen, the impulses, the movement for more, the thirsting, the giving rise to that slightly negative state, the grump, um, the complainer, the, you know, and all of that is not to, we, we want to see these states, we don't want to judge them and push them back in the dungeon. We want to illuminate them and, and free them. They're like living beings. So Ajahn Chah, catch them in the net of your mindfulness and contemplate feeling and emotion and mind states before you react. Which is a little bit of a helpful advice. <laughs> so often one's in the role of the reaction um, and then you have the consequences you have to deal with. You know. So catching in that net this way of this net of mindfulness, mindful firstly to this bodily experience. It's so such a simple ask, such a simple invitation to return to hear to what's felt here. This is the whole ground of our awakening process is within this experience that we have, our embodied experience. So we don't have to go anywhere special. The special place is returning here. Who would have thought? You know, as I said, in the, the Zen teaching of Huang Po, searching the world for the jewel that's always been in our forehead. But to return here, it is is not easy because we have to sit some time with the residue of what's been undigested, the undigested, the the dukkha that's not metabolized. So a lot of what we're doing as we arrive into retreat is just gently bringing this container and being with the body, with the breath, and gathering, and not moving so quickly away from our experience. So what arises, particularly if it has the flavor of dukkha, what is uncomfortable, can be metabolized through the activity of awareness itself, through awareness itself, through embodied awareness. And how do we do that? As is taught, we just stay gently, receptively attentive to what's felt. Breath can guide, awareness and attention can guide, being with the feeling in the feeling. It's being simply here, rather than complicating the story. It's breathing, feeling in what's, what's, what's present now. We can use a question to guide us into that. Like, what's present now? What's happening now? You know, often we can, we can go, you know, come back to the breath, come back, you know, and it can, we can do that in a way that is a little bullying of the mind. And the mind doesn't respond well. But this invitation is, what, what, what's being felt now? What's happening now? 
is a compassionate way of coming into relationship with anything or anyone, but particularly oneself. And this body... What's happening now, and then just allowing attention and a receptive aspect of attention just to receive what's experienced. Breath within the body, feeling within feeling, and just trusting the power of staying there without having to alter the experience. One can adjust, one can use, there are skillful means to adjust quality of attention, where we place attention. But in essence, the power of just steadying what's felt now, the immediacy of that now, here in our embodied experience, very hard to do in some ways, and yet such a relief when we actually do that. It's such a relief when there's some sort of dukkha, some sort of agitation, some sort of uncomfortable feeling, when we actually just receive it. Without trying to barter ourselves out of that. We just allow ourselves to fully renunciation of what should be into what is. Fully just... It's another kind of surrender to just receive the fullness of what's here, however that is. Just breathing there, steadying there, and trusting in that process that the awareness itself, this is this path activity, this is the power of the path, power the path of mindful heart, that it has its own intelligence, its own alchemical affect, on whatever it meets, on any dukkha, on the processes that we're experiencing. That both not only helps to metabolize and digest and reorder the nervous system, but also can also be the ground from which understanding can arise. Maybe see something we didn't quite see before in relationship to what is happening for us here, now, in our life, in our experience. So it's a, this path activity is a very gentle but steady and ongoing practice to keep returning again and again. And we might lose, we get lost. Never mind, that's part of the process. That's what carries us away. And then the moment of seeing, just, oh, that's interesting, where did I go? And then we can just gather that in, gather that back. Gather that energy that's dislocated and encourage that sense of coming home, bringing the mind home, bringing 
awareness and attention back home to the ground of the body, ground of awareness. Taking another deep breath, a few deep breaths. So very simple, steadying, returning. Soothing this body, the breath. Deep, slow breaths that we were doing this morning, soothing the the bodily formation. Having this sense of kindliness, patience, soothing the heart, listening, receiving, hearing. Helping the mind have an activity by giving it the job of keep helping through training of attention to come back to body experience, breath, felt sense. If you find yourself getting you know, quite activated in one shape or another, restless or upset or anxious, then we can give the mind something to do, like counting five deep breaths. The mind's very happy to have a project. You give it a project that serves your practice, something it can succeed at. Don't give it the whole enlightenment package in one go. It's going to get crushed, you know. Go and read the Vasudhi Marga and, you know, by the end of the retreat or something, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a tall order. And you give it five mindful breaths, it's going to feel quite happy and it become your ally and start working to support this return, this great return home into the heart, into the deep listening of the heart. So there we find that the heart can indeed withstand impingement and not be overwhelmed. It might feel overwhelmed, might feel like it's vulnerable, might feel like it's wobbling, but it's actually very durable. The jitta, the heart awareness is unsullied, it's invincible, it's timeless, ever present, can withstand the impact of the experiences of the worldly winds, gain and loss, and get completely thrown, things go well, completely devastated when there's loss of pleasure and pain, of happiness and unhappiness, success and failure, and all the other myriad types of experience in between. And in this way, this heart can dwell interconnected within this deep web of the listening heart to the deep intelligence of the Dharma, deeply interconnected and yet independent, not isolated, but steady, not clinging, as the Buddha said, to anything in this world.
So as we come towards the end of our day of practice, maybe share the blessings from our efforts, both individually and collectively, and extending those blessings in a wave of the great heart energies of compassion, joy, freedom, courage, strength, kindness, resilience, extending that above, around, below, to all beings everywhere at this time. May there be freedom from suffering. May all hearts be touched by peace. May there be liberation.